Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm your host, Danielle Kingstrom. This episode was a special treat for me. My guest today is none other than Pastor Danny Prada. He's the pastor presiding over Heartway Church in Florida, and I've been following him for over a year. He is radical in every way you would want a pastor to be. So radical, in fact, that I myself was willing to reject the gift that he was willing to extend over his last Easter sermon. And we talk a little bit about that, but I didn't really get a chance to speak more to how it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that his church was offering free tattoos because I think I still had a little bit of that programming in me that said that churches that do these weird and wild and crazy things are just trying to get pews in the seats and are not so much as concerned with delivering the gospel message. And I was wrong. And I discovered that I was wrong upon conversing with another friend and another previous guest that I've had on Recorded Conversations, Seth Price, who is the host of his podcast, Can I Say This at Church? And I actually have to say thank you to Seth for putting me into direct contact with Mr. Danny Prada. Between Danny and his wife, Emily, they are growing Heartway Church into becoming something different, unexpected, radical, and more in alignment with the gospel message of Ecclesia. I really enjoyed this conversation. Danny has opened my eyes to understanding God in a bigger perspective, in a bigger picture. And in this episode, he really shows us how his paintbrush glosses across the canvas and what he hopes to unveil about what he feels and sees through God. I really hope you will take to heart and hold in your heart everything that Danny speaks to in this message. Like I said, I've been following him for a while and he is one of those speakers that really makes me feel what he feels. And I hope that through this conversation, you'll feel all of the love and the goodness and the gospel message of grace and love that Mr. Danny Prada presents. For asking me. Oh my gosh, thank you. I, um, yeah, when Seth said, hey, I have his email, I got really excited and he's like, here, I'll set this up for you. And then I didn't hear back from you. And I'm like, you know what? He's really busy though. So, okay. So this will be one of those that I just wait to come through. And and it's still kind of like a new podcast for me. So I'm still scrambling to get guests on and not just throw my husband on every week. Right. And then your email came through and I'm sitting here jumping up and down. I'm like, Danny Prada said yes. Um, I was telling my husband, he's like, oh, that's so cool. Because we just love your sermons and we are your parishioners from afar. So we follow you very closely and I just love your messages. Thank you. It means a lot. So, Yeah. And uh, you are doing big things with Heartway 2.0. Oh, I'm so happy you've been like tuning in and following along with that. Oh, I have. I love it. I love your presentation. And, um, you know, back back in April... You you shared something about how you invited uh you were gonna invite a tattoo artist for your Lent uh-huh. 
for your Lent um, worship service. And I remember looking at that going, what? Yeah, so it, was, it was actually on Easter Sunday. We had two tattoo artists come and they tatted up. They must have done, I don't even know how many tattoos, but a lot of people. We had to cut off the amount of people. Some wow. people actually got a little frustrated and mad that they couldn't get their tattoo on church on that Sunday. <laughs> That's kind of funny because yeah. you had a lot of commentary on a video you shared. Oh, yeah. That was opposite yeah. of what it sounds like you had as a turnout. I know. It's like people who aren't in our community look at what's happening and they're like, this is totally weird and not allowed and sacrilegious. And the people who are in our community are like, this is so amazing. We've been looking for this our whole lives. So it's just a matter of which voices you give priority to. But for me, like, again, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a local church pastor. So I'm becoming less and less concerned with all of those other voices who aren't in my context. And I'm bringing a lot more attention and care to the voices that are there because for a while, like that criticism that I would get via Facebook or Twitter or all social media outlets was really affecting me at a deep level. And there will be times where I feel like I was taking it out on my community and they had no idea what it was that I was talking about because I was letting out anger about some sort of a Facebook debate I was in on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, these human beings who know nothing about that are like, why Why are you yelling at us about this? Like, you know? So I'll never forget. I yeah. To, yeah. So anyways. I love that. I love that. And I'm not going to lie. I saw that. And I think I clicked on follow for a little bit. I was like, he just like every other one of them churches trying to come up with some <laughs> crazy way. But then- and and I, I even said something to Seth Price from Can I Say This at Church? And I even was like, what is all that about? He's like, Danny's not like that. So I'm like, okay, I judged really quickly. Oh, and man. I'm I loved that you said that in one of your sermons. You're like, what I noticed about myself is I judge a lot. Uh-huh. And I was like, yes, me too. Yeah. And um, so then I was like, maybe I was wrong. And I went back and I was like, no, what you're doing is what needs to be done with church. I love the transformation you're bringing in. And you're challenging the expectations of what we have for church. And I love that. And you are bringing in meditation. I love the meditation thing that you do before you start your sermon. What what brought you to incorporate meditation? Well, it it mostly just came from all of the shifts that have come in my personal life. Like, uh, you know, as you had mentioned, the Heartway 2.0 thing that we did recently, Mm -hmm. that was just basically like an entire reshifting and rebranding of of our community. And part of that entails us becoming more contemplative and really Mm. giving a a central focus to things like centering prayer and, and, uh, and things of that sort. So we're emphasizing now spiritual formation in a way that previously we did not because my agenda for a while was just theology, 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 and I want to teach people all of the information that's in my head and transfer it into theirs. As opposed to now where, you know, we, of course, I love theology and philosophy, like I'm still a deep thinker. But the end goal for me now is not to get people necessarily to think as I think, but together, I want us all to be formed in in the way of of Jesus. So that is where this all came out of. And for me, uh, doing having a daily practice of centering prayer has been has been a huge shift in in my ability to find peace 
in a day to, on a day-to-day basis. And it's also helped me to be able to see the world in a whole new light. You know, instead of looking out at reality through the biases of my own judgment and my ego, um, I am learning more and more how to live from that place of stillness on the inside of me and how to live in, in a state of connectedness, you know, which is, mm. which is allowing, uh, it, it's all about just allowing life to be what it is, you know? And, I love and, that. and so, yeah, so that's kind of what we've been imparting into, into our folks and together we've been on this journey. It's been a lot of fun. And it sounds like you are, you, you're bringing more and more people into the, the experience yes. with you. Yes. And I love that about your messages. You, you do come from an, an intellectual background and from an intellectual view and you incorporate what you learn but it's like you you translate in such a way where you take the big verbose words and you feel them Mm. and then you turn around and express that experience that it causes you to feel and it feels like you're 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 sharing what you're feeling through your transformation and i love seeing that you're you're um when you have your people I'm I'm blanking on words. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking at my notes and getting confused here. It just seems like, well, for me especially, it resonates. Like I feel what you're feeling, yeah. and I think this is this is what church mm. is supposed to feel like. And it's actually made me change my view. Like I went through this whole unchurching right. breakdown, and I, I I was really deep into the church, and I didn't grow up in the church, but I placed myself in the church after I got married and I didn't like it. And when I started pulling out and rejecting it, it was contempt Mm. and it was, I hate the church. The church sucks. And it was, and I see that with a lot of people, they go anti-church or let's, let's kill this churchanity religion that's going on. But what you're doing is you're saying, no, I see what, what the words were meant to produce for us. What Jesus had spoke of of church was supposed to feel like this, and we were supposed to feel this experience of God together. Yeah, and and getting there has been a struggle, you know. Like I, I, I really had to do some self reflection, and I needed to decide for myself if I was going to be comfortable and confident in my Christian skin. Mm. If that makes sense, you know, because yes. I did have so much trauma associated with certain words and with certain ways of speaking about God and life and community that I, for a while was like, I don't know if Christian language and lingo is even comfortable for me anymore. I don't know if I feel at home here. And that was a process for me to be able to get to this place where I'm at now, where I'm able to say, you know what, like, this is, this is me. This is I'm I'm okay with this way of expressing my experience of the divine in everyday life, and I just have to kind of what I've done is just put on like my tunnel vision mode, and I'm not really listening to what too many other people are saying or how they're using the words and all the debates and arguments that are happening over there. I'm just like, for me, I I feel like for a while I needed other people to validate my way of defining and speaking about things for it to be right and true. Like I, I, I felt weird about the fact that I was the oddball out, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I want everybody to understand these words. Like I understand these words. And now it's just like, no, I, I don't. I just, I need to be true to myself and I need to express what God has put in my heart to express and the rest will take care of itself. 
you know, but I, I, I definitely had a, this, this switch that came for me. I now look at my, my journey in and out of, you know, Christianity, not so much as like deconstruction, but more as like rediscovery. And Ooh, I like that, that. That's what it's been. Like I, John Dominic Crossan uh, is a wonderful scholar. I'm sure you've heard of him. And, and he has this wonderful phrase. He says, it's not that the biblical writers wrote these stories literally, and we're so smart now that we read them symbolically. He says, it's that they, they wrote these symbolically, and we're so dumb that we read them literally. And we miss the Ooh. whole point of what's happening yeah. there, you know? So yeah, I've, I've, I've come to now realize this whole journey has been a rediscovery of my faith. And, uh, and I, you have to go through the anger for a little bit. It's, yeah. okay, it's okay to go through that bitterness. And I remember I was very angry for a while at the people who taught me the things that they did. And, and even more recently, like what I've been able to identify in my own life is that I have had this deep rooted anger in my, in myself towards religion towards my upbringing towards god because i feel like it caused me to miss out on life yeah you know because i was always the good boy and i always you know i got ordained when i was 21 and so like yeah, very young very young yeah and like that all of my friends were out like just doing their thing while i was sleeping in early on fridays and saturdays because i worked at a mega church with thousands of people and i led the worship there and that was mm. just an all weekend affair you know and then i had to be very careful what i posted on social media and how i represented myself to others because the culture was just so toxic it was all about images mm-hmm and so that that has an effect on you when you don't feel like you can actually be yourself. So yeah, like I've had to deal with a lot of the anger and but but what I came to recognize over time and people need to get there when they get there, right? Like I'm not rushing yeah. any of my progressive friends to get to this place as if they even need to get there. They may just need to continue being who they are. That's actually what any, everybody needs to do, right? Just be who you are, yes. don't be fake. But eventually what I came to realize was always fighting those battles gets really exhausting and really tiring because we're trying to convince other people who don't want to be convinced. Yes. You know about things and so I I had to shift my focus towards people who are actually open and willing and ready to to learn and expand and grow and 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 that's where I would give my energy to now, you know. Yeah, and that I think I see that taking place in the Bible too through the gospels. Yep. Jesus did the same thing. I'm going to give you all this opportunity to hear my message. But if you're not going to sit and want to hear me instead of right. just argue with me, I'm not going to give you time. Exactly. And I, don't, don't cast your pearls before swine. Exactly. You know, when you said that in one of your sermons that I was listening to over the weekend, it suddenly dawned on me. Like that phrase suddenly wow. made sense for me, you know, because I had always heard people throwing it out. And I thought, I don't know, that seems like it doesn't fit in that context that you're using it. But then you threw it down and I went, ah. Oh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's that's kind of where I struggle. Like I will mm -hmm. sit there and I will dedicate time to yeah. people and be like, no, I'll keep arguing with you and right. I'll do it really compassionately. Right. But listen. Right. But then right. it's like eh, some people you have to go, you know what? You're just not ready to hear this yet. Exactly. And I'm going to just go over here and give my energy to someone else. Um, one thing that I really appreciated that you pointed out, you were talking about a lightning rod mm. and how we need one. And we need to be one. And I'm wondering if you can share that story and that your friend, your teacher, who had shared that yeah. idea with so, you. Actually, he was the pastor who ordained me when I was when I was younger. And he he had told me this was 
before I got married, he was giving me some some good advice, and he said, "Danny, you need to get a lightning rod. You need to have a lightning rod in your life. Everybody does. Think about what a lightning rod." does a lightning rod basically absorbs lightning so that it doesn't necessarily uh have such a destructive effect on everything all around it you know it kind of uh keeps everything at bay and he says everybody needs someone who they can just kind of you know vomit on with all of their stuff and Mm. that person won't judge you for it or tell you that you need to get fixed in any type of way, but instead they'll just absorb everything that you're giving to them. And it's a safe, it's a safe place to do that because it's not going to go anywhere else. You know what I mean? And, and so I, not only have I been able to have other people be that for me, which it took a lot of, uh, it's scary to do that. You know, it's scary yeah. to take off the mask, you know, but when you are, when you do that and somebody accepts you, the love that, that, that you feel in that moment, it's, it's, you can't even really describe it with words, you know, and I, yeah. I've even been able to share moments like that with, with my wife recently that have been so incredible, you know, things I never thought I would be able to share with my life partner. I've been able to share in vulnerability and being able to be welcomed and embraced as I am. It just makes such a huge difference. And then it teaches you how to be that space for other people too. Yes. You know, how to be that non-judgmental space that, that just allows people who be to, to be who they are without trying to fix them or change them. Because that's the problem. All of us think that we need to be fixed. And God is yes. looking at us and saying, you are perfectly imperfect just the way that you are. And don't you think a lot of people also have the expectation that if I do share something with someone, they're going to give me the solution? Exactly. Or that we feel inclined to, okay, this person just told me all these problems. I'm supposed to fix it. Like, what do I tell these people? And we try and respond to them in such a way that we haven't even pondered what they've said. And I've come to notice, I have a lot of people that reach out to me and just, can I just talk? Yep. Okay. And then they'll say, I want to get your opinion, but they do the the majority of the talking, which I'm okay with because I took it as a, I took this nonviolent communication course and I was trying to teach myself to be a better listener because my husband and my kids were always like, you never listen to me. So yeah, okay, two ears to listen, one mouth to speak. Let's readjust that, that equation. Right. And so as I learned how to listen better, I just started paying attention and noticing people don't even want you to solve their problems. They don't even want to want your opinion. They Uh just need a safe space where they can go, look, all of this stuff is going on in my life right now and I don't know what to do about it. And I think about this and I think about that and I think about this. And then they go, what do you think? And then they jump back in and they're like, here's what I think. And then afterwards they're like, thank you. And you go, "Uh, you're you're welcome. I yeah. uh, Did I say something that, wow, okay. But then afterwards you're like, no, they just needed someone to hear them. Right. Right. You're, you just described like my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's what I sit around doing and people thank me. And I'm like, yeah. I, okay, you know, you're welcome. You know, I, I just, I just listen empathetically and compassionately. And that's really what all good spiritual direction is about. Mm-hmm. You know, like a good, a good spiritual guide, a good teacher, a good pastor isn't someone who is trying to give solutions to other people, but instead this person is someone who helps other people discover the solutions that they already have within themselves. Yes. You know, so like I heard one teacher talk about the fact that, uh, you know, a spiritual director is kind of like a, like a midwife 
and we are there mm. to help give birth to that which is already inside of others. Oh, that's so, beautiful. So the, so the best way to approach other people is with a, a sense of holy curiosity. Mm, you know, and yes. as, as you become curious about the other person, that teaches them to become curious about themselves. And then that's the process that leads to to wisdom. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. You're on a wounds to wisdom. You did this wounds to wisdom mm. sermon, and I, you know, that was so on my. It's so on my frequency right now. Honestly, everything you're talking about is everything I'm exploring: connection, vulnerability, getting rid of shame, letting go of anger. But you're turning your wounds into your wisdom. Mm. I thought this is what everybody needs to hear your six practices to help do that, to help create this inner transformation. And so I'm just curious, was there, was there any, any kind of scholar or teacher or even just moment in your life that gave you this, this aha epiphany where you were like, yes, all of this crap and this ickiness and this ugliness is actually a gift. Like what for you made you go, Oh, no, 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 no. This is a gift. Wow. Well, I can't necessarily think of one big moment. For me, it's been a lot of little moments. Mm. It's been recognizing and realizing in the little moments how much suffering I bring on myself just mm. because of the way I'm choosing to perceive any given situation. Mm -hmm. And when I started to really learn my, about myself more and the way that my mind works, I, I started to, to, to recognize that my, my mind just works in binaries. You know, this is good. This is bad. Yeah. This is right. This is wrong. You know, this is great for my future. This is horrible for my future. And slowly but surely, as I, as I started to let go of, of, those judgments with the little things, and I'll give you some examples, but like with the little things, as I started to let go of those judgments, what I came to recognize was beneath all of that stuff, reality is perfectly fine just the way it is. Mm. Every, 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 everything is perfect just the way that it is. And when yes. you can sink into that, like, and you can look out at life through the eyes of your heart instead of your mind, now you see that everything has its place. And you see that every moment is complete in and of itself. And you just start flowing with life. Now you're riding the wave instead of creating the wave. Mm. You know, and, and so it's it's really resting in grace. It's like that uh, that passage of scripture where Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and and I will give you rest for your soul. That that rest for your soul is, is that's that's what I've been learning how to cultivate. So it's with little things like I would just recognize how some days I would wake up and for no reason in the morning I'm just irritable. And then I make my coffee and I spill it on myself and then I mm. go off to the gym but I forget my headphones and then I told this person I would meet them at this certain time and now I'm behind for the whole day so now I'm mad because I'm behind and then I'm stressing myself out and then I'm speeding and I get a ticket and then I just start you know my mind just starts going a million miles per hour looking for problems and showing me everything that's wrong and yeah. It was when I practice with the little things, 
then it became easier for me to do this with the big stuff. So, you know, in April, I got laid off from my job. I've been a bivocational pastor for the last four years. And I I uh, lost my job as a chaplain at a homeless shelter here in the area. And so that's a good chunk of money and insurance for me and my wife that now we don't have. And I can't really get more money from Heartway because we're not at, at that place or that size where mm-hmm. we can even do that. So what are my options? I can go into like freak out anxiety mode like I normally have, or mm-hmm. I can just say, okay, I guess – I guess I just don't have a job now and I guess things are going to somehow work themselves out and I'm going to focus on the things that I can't control, not the things that I can't. Yeah. And and so I, I don't know if I would have been able to do that with something as massive as like losing a job and losing a full-time salary with insurance if like two years ago. I probably would have freaked out. I probably would have thought this whole thing is going to shambles, <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. And is it almost, does it seem like maybe sometimes we have moments of stability to prepare us for the moments of the chaos? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something. And that you're learning and your progress and your transformation. It was like, we're going to give it to you nice and easy right now. So you have time to, Mm -hmm. to sink, to let all this sink in, but don't get too comfy. Right. It's like, I, I, ready. I just realized so much of my frustration came from wanting life to go my way. Yeah. And it's a st- that need for certainty. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, this is how it's going to unfold. This is the plan that I have and it's got to it's got to work itself out this way otherwise panic mode. And it's just so unrealistic. It's very unrealistic to put that kind of expectation on life because life is always changing and you don't know what's going to happen one moment from the next. And so instead of trying to arrange my external world in the way that I think it needs to be arranged, I just started to focus on rearranging my internal world. And then I realized that everything outside, I, I, I began to realize everything that I see outside of me is just a projection of what, what is happening on the inside of me. That's good. That's good. I love that. So you said earlier that you had a lot of trauma from your religion what kind of what kind of a religious upbringing did you have that made you want to rediscover it yeah i you know with my upbringing i i grew up in a southern baptist church and mm. we stayed in that church my whole life and then eventually that's the church where I did an internship and then I got hired and then I got ordained. And and so that's really, I I only had like one church experience my whole life. But when I was younger, I didn't really take God or religion too seriously. I was just kind of doing my thing as a kid. But when I got to college, that's when when I kind of started to rediscover what it would look like to devote myself to to the Christian path. But when that happened, I got around a lot of people who were in the reform world of Christianity. Mm. And so I ended up going to get seminary training at a Southern Baptist school that was very conservative and very fundamentalist. And so Mm. when I talk about like my trauma, I guess, with religion, it's more connected to, I would say, like my my seminary experience and and what I was what I was taught in that environment and what I was being exposed to in terms of like the people that I was listening to 
that that was really where a lot of that came from because it was such a narrow way of looking at life. Yeah. That I now that I'm not in that box anymore, it's just like, whoa, where what what was I a part of? And yeah. what would have happened if I would have stayed stuck in that? You know, like I would have I, I don't know. I, I, just, I can't even fathom it anymore. But I, I, for me, it's just, it's, 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 it was, it has been hard to kind of just reconcile, reconcile that because I, I, I didn't like awaken myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I didn't, yeah. like my life just kind of went in this direction, but it, I, I, it could have gone in another direction and that would have been okay too. But I'm just so grateful that I now see what I see. And what I have to remember is if I didn't go through those experiences, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah. And all of that is a part of my journey and my story. So for a while, I felt like this burden. It was a burden to have to like talk to Christians who are already like absorbed in a particular worldview and who are stuck in their ways. Like for me, I was like, do I really want to spend the rest of my life convincing these people about expanding their world and having new experiences and looking at life uh, through a different lens? Or do I just want to like leave this whole thing behind and talk to people who are open? And like I said earlier, it was like, it's, it's been a process for me to really integrate my past into my present and say, no, like this is my journey. This is my story. This is where my pain has come from, which means this is where God is is most likely calling me in this season to to make the biggest impact with people who are where I was. Yeah. So for me, it's been like I, I've just the question. I I'm I'm so grateful that I never stopped asking questions. Yeah. Because it was those yeah. questions that helped unravel things for me. Like, for example, I went in seminary. I was, you know, in my Southern Baptist bubble, it was like we were the ones who had all the answers and everybody else was was wrong. And I had half of my family's Roman Catholic. The other half is charismatic Pentecostal. So that already wasn't working just in terms of my, my familiar. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> because it's like, wait, so all these people are going to hell because they like believe in the Pope or they, you know, pray to the saints or all of these people are not really Christians. They're really deluded because they speak in tongues and they do all of this stuff. My way is the right way. I'm here to convince everybody of it. And so like that just didn't fit for me. It didn't work for me. So as I started to ask questions, especially because I'm just not a jerk, like I'm not even that kind of person to begin with, you know, that's why like a John MacArthur. Yeah. You know, like literally <laughs> I was a John MacArthur freak and you know, I, yeah. every book he wrote, I, I would read it and every podcast I would listen to and the blogs, I would always be on top of those. And Mark Driscoll was another one of my favorites, John Piper, you know, Albert mm. Moeller, just, Oh, you were into some scary theology (laughs) and you know i um i you know i it's i i i appreciate those folks and Mm. um you know i don't have anything negative to say about them like i that worked for me for a time yeah and if that is working for them then that's fine i just you know i want to be a voice of hope for those who are, are coming to recognize maybe some of the unhealthy tendencies that come with um, that kind of theological framework. And that's what I try and tell people, like it, test the validity of your theology on the basis of the fruits that it's producing mm. in everyday life. Yeah. Because that's really the metric that Jesus gave to us. So if your belief or your theology is leading you to mistreat people, that 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 should already be like a huge red flag to you that there's maybe some 
some things about your theology that are that are off center and then yeah. you need to revisit yeah anything that excludes you you want to re reexamine and go mm, is this right because from my perspective, Jesus was very inclusive of everyone. Right. I worry about that. We have that exclus exclusivity right now. And I swear, sometimes I feel like the church has become politics and mm -hmm. politics has become the religion. Oh, for sure. And what I appreciate about you is from your social media anyway, and I don't know if this is how you've always been, but I, I can't tell if you're even on the spectrum of politics. I can't even tell if you bat for one team or the other, but I appreciate that for me to try and even want to ask that question, I don't care what the answer is. Yeah. Because for me, it seems like you're way above politics. Like politics feels like this is where you start to see where we live in this dualistic kind of world and you're either red or blue mm -hmm. and you're either for or against, but there is a time where we should advance past that we grow past that. Yep. And I feel like you are like, you always seem to subtly work in some kind of relevant current event or maybe societal issue, but you don't do it so obvious and blatantly. You, you deliver a message that I think speaks to maybe an outrage or a problem. Mm. And you still can't tell, is Danny a liberal? Is Danny a conservative? Right. Does he vote Republican? You know, And it's like, is that how it is for you? Are you just non-political? And if you are, what led you there? Yeah, well, I, I think politics are really important. And I mm -hmm. think the conversations that we have around politics are really important. However, I, I have been very um, cautious and discerning about when and how mm. I want to talk about those things. And so for me, talking about politics on social media hasn't had too much of a good effect, mm. yeah. not, either in my life or in the lives of other people, because that usually just turns into an argument. Yeah. And I think tone and body language is really important. And when we're talking about such important things like politics and how we arrange ourselves as a society, for us to like just write something and put it online and other people can just project their own stuff onto that, it's just not I, – I, I want to be as clear as possible when I talk about politics. And so I actually have – more conversations about politics now than I ever have in person with people. And mm. those conversations go great. And I talk with people who are hardcore conservative Republicans. And I talk to diehard liberals. And I also talk to a lot of moderates. And I myself have no idea <laughs> exactly <laughs> where I fit in terms of the way things are uh, – you know, boiled down for us and categorized for us now. I do know that I have a lot of progressive leanings, but there's a there's a certain attitude and demeanor oftentimes that comes with with some of those uh, more progressive voices that I don't necessarily want to take on for myself. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know what you call that. I, I'm just, I definitely want to help people see the importance of advocating for the marginalized and being a voice for those who are oppressed. 
and I want to talk about our duty to uh, bring about justice and peace in this world as followers of Jesus. But I just want to have a better, I, I want to, I'm trying to find a better way to just have that conversation. And so yeah. I already know that the message of the kingdom, which is very political and has huge social implications, is offensive in and of itself. I don't want to add any other offense to it with my own personal agenda. Mm. So that's kind of the approach that I'm taking now. And that's why I, I, I'm glad that you noticed that I do bring things up in a very subtle way, but I bring them yeah. up. I bring them yeah. up. But I want to do it in a way that, that, is, that is not going to shut people off because of the approach. Yes. You know, so sometimes it's not so much what you say, but how you say it. Exactly. And it's not, it's not, some people will, some of my more progressive friends who, again, I am aligned with in many ways, even though I still do see the value of tradition. And I do see the value of, of what a lot of people on the right speak of. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I forgot where I was going all this, but I, I want to, I, I want to approach it in a, in a, in a, in a way that isn't going to shut people off just because I said it in a way I, that, that was provoking, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. Yeah, that, that's, uh, again, like we have, we have people in our community who are on all sides of the spectrum and, and they're able to sit together and take communion together. And we talk, we don't skirt around the issues. We talk about the issues, but we leave room for people to be people and we leave yeah. for people to be in process. Like I, I'm not going to sit there anymore and say, oh my God, that conservative person is so backward. How could they ever possibly think that about LGBTQ people? What world do we live in? This is so regressive and backwards. Like fine, you know, fine. In one sense, some of that may be true, but in what world do we think speaking to other human beings in that way is going to get them to pay attention or change their mind or change their mind. Yeah. You know? So, and then, a, yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line to toe when you're, when you're walking through a transformation and you're feeling it and you're experiencing it and other people are like, what are you doing? Stop. You're yeah. supposed to pick sides and it's hard to deliver a message to them that's like, no, 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 come on, come over here. It's supposed to be like this. Right. But then at the same time, you have to go, you know what? I, you said it too. You're like, father, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. And I have to, I get so wrapped up in things too, but sometimes I have to just, again, step back and go, okay, grace, grace, grace. Right. We're just, just that. Well, that's what I wanted when I was trying to figure things out and I was blaming and pointing fingers. And it's like, okay, step back. And let them come to it on their own terms. And you just allow so much space for that. You just, I love that in, in your wife, you brought your wife up on stage in this one sermon and she shared her story. But what I love about her, and I, I felt it with every cell in my body, she's like, I'm not going to be put in a box. Yeah. And I love that mentality. And you both have that mentality. You, you're like, I'm defined by God. Mm. That's the only it's the only definition that matters and we don't need to put ourselves in box. And she shared her story and it seems like you two have this wonderful transformation together. You worked on yourselves, but you worked on in this interconnected way. Mm -hmm. 
And I just thought that was such a beautiful story. You both had such dark times. You were able to be vulnerable with one another. You obviously had to express your pain and your wounds to each other. Yep. And she talked about her wounds and and how she literally covered up her wounds with tattoos. Yep. And I'm just wondering if you can just kind of talk about that when you guys got married young. Yeah. And then how did how how did this transformation come about? <sighs> yeah. Well, that's a that's a. A whole nother story, but I will say that definitely my my wife has never been one to conform, mm. and for a while, when I felt that I needed to live in the boxes that other people created for me, I was trying to get her to fit in those boxes too. So, like, hey, this is what it means to like be the leader of a church, and this is what it mm-hmm. means to be a pastor's wife. And this is how you got to present yourself and make sure you don't embarrass me with the way that you speak and the things that you do because you're a representation of me. And the whole thing was about me, 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 you know? And Mm -hmm. so uh, her refusal to fit into any of those boxes uh, was very scary for me. But the more I realized that I needed to let her go and be herself, the more I realized I needed to do the same for myself. Yeah. And, and watching her just flourish and be herself and redefine for herself what it means to be in the role that she is. I mean, she didn't, she doesn't even, she doesn't even take on for herself the identity of pastor's wife. She's like, that's not who I am. That's not. Yeah. She's just Emily. She's just Emily. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and now I'm just Danny. And thankfully, I've been able to have that modeled for me. So I've been able to grow more and more confident in being myself and just being totally okay with who I am. I love that. Yeah, yeah I I did something similar. I, you know, my husband's a farmer. And so when I was, wow. okay, I got to be the farmer's wife and I got to do the farmer's market and I got to grow all my own food and I got to can all my own food and I got to do this and I got to put on this attitude. And here are these pictures on social media. Don't I look like a farmer's wife? And then I went, <laughs> man, this is exhausting. I like, yeah. don't even think I wanted to do half of the no. stuff that I'm doing. And I mean, we took on a lot. We had all these cattle and sheep and chickens and then and then I had a half acre garden and I was running all over the place and I just went, I didn't even ask myself if this is what I wanted. Right. I just went, oh, here's the role. Okay, I'll act it out for you. And it does burn you out and it it exhausts you and you stop and you go, wait a minute. Yeah. I, is this really who I am? Yeah. And I mean, for me, I, I was like, I can kind of be a farmer's wife, but I, I kind of think I'm a writer. So yeah. I'm going to go over here. And I mean, my husband supported me in that too. So that was perfect. And yeah, he has his life. I have my life. We have our life together. Yeah. But neither of us need to define one another. Mm-hmm. But it's like at the same time, I can't define myself without him either. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a part of me now. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that quantum entanglement thing. Yeah. We're two separate elements right. that can't de- be defined separately, but we're still separate. Right. And a lot of people, I think, in in marriages especially, think they have to become so intertwined and entangled with one another they lose themselves yeah. or they go, okay, one of us is the model and, and and I'm just supposed to conform to that idea of what you present and it can create a lot of issues and it can break a lot of relationships. That's so true. 
But instead, if you can come to that self-discovery, you right. can go, we're interconnected, we're interdividual, but we're still autonomous beings made in the image and likeness of God, but with a little bit of a unique imprintation of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we need to allow each other to be who we are. Yeah. Without trying to control the other person. How can, I, I mean, that's what we, we've turned love into control and love yes. is the complete opposite of that. Love is letting other people be free. And so- Something else that I'm reminded of this just came to me based on like what you were saying. I had to I had to do all of this in terms of my relationship with religion, my relationship with God, my relationship with my my spiritual community, Heartway. Like I had to get to a point where I decided I was gonna choose this for myself. Mm. You know, like I need to choose this for myself. Christianity was handed down to me. This is the context in which I grew up. Do I want this? You know, and so I had to choose that for myself. Being a church planner, right? Like, yeah. I I love doing what I'm doing, but it's come with a lot of difficulties, and there's a lot of pressure involved in this. I had to come, I had to come to myself and say, do Do I really want this for myself? Do I choose this for myself? With my mm. theology, I'm like, I need to. It's like one of my friends, Trip Fuller, says, you got to brew your own faith. Do you choose this for yourself? And I, with with my wife what we realized was like she she also she also had to go through a thing where she was like do i choose heartway and do i choose this life for myself and yeah. what allowed that to happen was me giving her the space to say you don't have to choose this by the way if you don't want it and we went mm -hmm. through a little season where emily took a step back and she said yeah i need to like my life isn't just about you and your dream like i need to i need to pursue my dream and that's being a photographer and i want to travel the world and i can tell you like now i can look back and laugh but when she initially told me like look i don't i don't want to take on responsibilities with heartway anymore the way that i have i'm burnt out i feel like i'm being overused and not appreciated i feel like i am living my life for you and your dream and it's time for me to do my own thing like i that devastated me and i really thought at that point like it's just a matter of time before heartway just kind of fizzles out because i i'm not going to do this by myself and if my life partner isn't in, invested in this like ah, i don't know how much energy i'm really going to be putting into it in the long haul like i i really thought and that was that was 2017 really mm, that was that recently happened. and yeah. yeah and and heartway 2.0 actually was all about emily saying i want this for myself you know, and, and I had to let the bird out of the cage. It's like they say, when you love someone, let them go. And if they really love you, they'll come back to you. Yeah. That, you have to give them the freedom to choose or not choose you. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know? So I get, I was able to give her that freedom. She gave herself that freedom. I gave myself that freedom to choose for myself. And now like we are living the life that we want to live. So even still like on Sunday mornings, like before, I can't tell you how much anxiety and stress would come over me because I wanted to make sure that I didn't say something that would, you know, step on someone's toes or be heard the wrong way. And like, I hope this mm -hmm. person doesn't get offended by it. And now like, again, I, I, I'm not like trying to offend people. I don't think I offend people, but I mean, that's not even a thing on my mind, but I'm also not worried about what's coming out from my mouth, you know, like, yeah, I'm just saying what I need to say. And I know that if there are other people who, can't go on the journey with us and they won't and that's fine and i love them and i hope that the little time they were with us they could have benefited 
somewhat, you know, and, and that's that. I love that. Yeah. It's about being confident and courageous with your, your choice of words. And if your intention isn't set out to be offensive or to be controversial or to push buttons, right. then if someone does take offense, I mean, I, I find that common too with, with writing and everything is, you know, people take offense, but I think, you know, Sometimes people are just looking for a reason to take offense. Yeah. And so and that's because they're holding on to stuff yeah. that they aren't ready to let go of. And you have to just, you know, okay, well, I'm going to extend you grace, but when when are other people going to extend that grace that they want? Right. And that's what I noticed about myself too. Like I I would I was complaining and being such a victim about the fact that people were so mean to me on social media and they criticize me and they say all these things, but the other truth and the other side of it is I was provoking a little bit in the way that mm. I would say the things that I say. And I did want to kind of press a few buttons and see who this would trigger. So where were, yeah. what were my intentions in that moment? Yeah. Now I'm yeah, you were trying to get a rise out of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, and before you know it, before you know it, and you can do that, by the way, in a really nice way. Yeah. <laughs> you can still do yeah, that in the, in, under the cover, under the guise of like – you know, I'm just telling the truth and being nice, but it's really sarcastic or finger pointing. <laughs> and, and yeah, like I'm just, I, I just lost interest in playing in playing that game to, to begin with. Like I, I realized that it's, it's very easy to find your identity around being controversial mm -hmm. and like, look, I'm the only one that's saying it. Yeah. You know, these other churches aren't like our church. We're the only ones who do this. And it was funny, like uh, yesterday, there's a church in the area, a really cool church in uh, in the area, and they are blowing up. And they're definitely a, a, an evangelical church. It's a mostly African American church. And me and the pastor are cool. Pastor, you know, um, friends with me on Instagram. He's always been very kind and shares encouraging words. And yesterday, he had posted up something about his his church created this room at a local middle school, I believe that it's like a, a mindfulness room. And they had like these, uh, oh. they had these little, uh, posters about like mindfulness. And this is just a space where you can calm yourself. And it's there for like the staff and the students. And he was talking about like how this is the mission of the church. And they're so glad that they can do this. And my ego <laughs> was, you know, in my little mind, I was like, man, you know, like we were the first ones to kind of do something like that in this area and focus on mindfulness. And now this other church is kind of doing this too. And I had like a little five minutes of actually, you know, uh, being frustrated and yeah. mad about the fact that now we're not the super unique ones anymore. Because there's yeah. other churches who are having this emphasis and doing this kind of work in the community. Instead of being like, wow, this is awesome. As if I am the one who created this idea in the first place, you know, as if there's something yeah. so special about me and, you know, like, so you have those moments and it's just learning how to, how to just let go of that stuff. Yeah. That need to compare and contrast yeah. and compete. And instead yeah. of going, Hey, look at our ideas are spreading. We love that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But your ideas are spreading. I love your ideas. I love your messaging. I love how instead of trying to get a rise out of people, you're trying to show people how they can help other people rise. Mm. And I think that's just such a great message. 
And I think that, you know, when I first started coming into looking outside of the scope of the one church that I was in, you know, we start to compare and we see, here's what Christianity looks like. No, this is what Christianity looks like. No, this is what it looks like. And the truth is, it looks like everything, but then at the same time, it kind of looks like nothing. But we come over to Hartway and there's other churches in the area. I mean, I think that about Greg Boyd with Woodland Hills Church here in Minnesota. There, There are these churches out there that are trying to do things differently that are trying to spread spread the contemplative message and 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 integrating meditation but overall this integration idea yeah. what would would you present mm-hmm. it seems like on a weekly basis it's all about integration here's a little bit more of a practice and to fully integrate myself and you make it all about it not being about who you think you are in the world but who God already made you in the world and so we're integrating our spirituality with our sexuality. And I loved that you did that sermon about um, the Song of Songs and you talked about sex and we need more. We need more of that because mm-hmm. I think if we are showing people how to integrate our sexuality with our spirituality, especially, we can decrease the risk of it being exploited and manipulated and, and perverted in the most awful ways. Yeah. But your overall message at Heartway seems to be about just integrating yeah. And I love that that's what you're pushing for. And I just want to tell you, I just, as a parishioner from afar, I appreciate it so much. Integration is so on my forefront right now. It's literally the work I'm doing. And I'm just wondering if, as a way to kind of end the show, if you can give one of your, your the most transformative daily practices that you do that you really think will help encourage people to Mm -hmm. seek a self-discovery and an integration? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm not really creative with this stuff and this is where I lean on thousands of years of church history and very devoted practitioners in the way of Jesus to, and I, I lean on, on what they've taught and what they've passed along from one generation to another. And in the Christian tradition, the usage of a prayer word has always mm-hmm. been a very important tool for the monastics and the mystics in terms of practicing mindfulness. And mm-hmm. a prayer word is basically just a, 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 a small word or a phrase. The one that I use, my, my own word is rest. And what you do is throughout your day, whenever you become aware of the fact that you are getting lost in a an egoic spiral, you know, whenever you you recognize that you are moving out from a state of peace into a state of of stress and anxiety or worry, uh, you 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 bring your attention to your breath and you pair with your breath this prayer word. So for me, in my mm. mind, I, it's the word rest. I just inhale, and as I inhale, I, I repeat that word to myself, and then I exhale. And that, for me, is just my reminder to come back to the present moment, to stop dreaming about the past that's already gone and replaying it over and over again, to stop dreaming about the future that is not here yet and that I cannot control and that I had no idea how it's going to turn out, and to just come back to the present moment without any judgment. And so... 
I, I pair up my, my uh, discipline of using this prayer word throughout the day. I mean, I, and I, I, I do this literally, I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times a day. It's just whenever I remember, <laughs> whenever I, I, I see that I am, I am believing an illusion in my mind, I, I, I recite that prayer word in conjunction with my breath. And so in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, uh, the way that it was put, the monks would talk about the practice of watchfulness. And so watchfulness is simply uh, monitoring your emotional state. Hmm. Again, if peace is our true nature, if love is our true nature, any time that we move out of that space into a space of frustration or angst, any time that we see ourselves um, operating on, in a lower emotional state, we, we use that as an indicator that in that moment we are thinking and believing something that is not true. And so I come back to my breath. I practice mindfulness in that moment. I come back to the present moment and I release those judgments that are rolling around there in my mind chatter. Mm. And, and that just becomes my practice. My practice is watchfulness and the usage of my, of my prayer word. And along with that, I've been able to develop a, a daily rhythm of centering prayer. So I wake up every morning, but that's a little harder for most folks to do. Uh, yeah. you know, obviously, like for me now, I'm full time as a pastor of a church. So I don't necessarily and we don't have like an office. So I'm at home and I do my I do my sermon prep from the house. And then I'm at coffee shops all day doing meetings and doing uh, things like this. And so uh, I know not everybody can develop that kind of a practice, but yeah. it is good to try and find a rhythm where you can simply sit in silence. And uh, I do that for the very least 10 minutes in the morning. I just go outside. I got a little meditation mat that I sit on and uh, I use this app. There's a centering prayer app that uh, I don't know who created it. I may have been folks that work with uh, Father Thomas Keating. Mm. And uh, that Centering Prayer app has been very useful for me. So Yeah, I've used Richard Rohr's Centering Prayer um, pieces he has. Cynthia Bourgeau has some really incredible, um, uh, um, I don't even know what, just spoken meditation guides. Oh, look, and uh, I like the chanting bowls, the Buddhist chants oh, and the bowls. Awesome. I just put that on my, on my I pull out my plate playlist and I put that on and I just literally sit and breathe for like 15 minutes. I love it. Yeah, I had to do it before you today because I was nervous. Oh, stop. I was like, this is Danny Prado. Oh my oh, gosh. She's like so influential. Uh, so yeah, I'm, oh. I still get jitters, but I I can't have a wonder, do you? Do you get nervous before you go on and talk to everyone? You always seem so cool and calm and no, collected. It's so funny. Like when I'm at Heartway, I actually do feel some of that. Uh, but when I, when I speak in other settings, I don't have any of that at all. It's really hmm. weird. I don't know why I just, it well, must be your me. gift. So yeah, I guess. But every Sunday, yeah. every Sunday, literally when, before I speak to, to, to the community at Heartway, I'm, I'm usually like thinking about a lot of, a lot of things and I have to unnerve myself. Sometimes I just go to the car and I, and I breathe for a little bit, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. I do feel like that sometimes, but it's a part of it. You know, I'm learning how to embrace yeah. all of that and as a communicator. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I remember reading once somewhere, uh, we weren't created to speak in front of crowds. So it's an adjustment for everybody. Yeah. And I just remind myself that that's right. We were created to commune, but in these little communes mm. with just little peoples and tribes and speaking in front of hundreds or thousands of people is just not something we were yeah. biologically programmed to do. Yeah, Danny, thank oh I'm sorry. Go ahead, finish. No, no, I, I didn't was, mean to cut you off. Yeah, no. I was just gonna <laughs> thank you again for coming on recorded conversations, for joining me for this confirmation conversation and for sharing your incredible wisdom. For sure. I'm um, really glad we got to chat and hopefully there'll be a next time because we had a great conversation. So Yes, but I realize that you're busy um, and I don't want to do what I did the last time and make it a three-hour podcast. Oh you have a three-hour podcast? <laughs> um, one of my friends, Cordell Winrow, yeah, we wow. we got to go in and it last, It was almost four hours. So I was able to get three episodes out of it, actually. It was great conversation. Wow. But I do that. I can get lost. I can sit on the phone for hours and people are like, have we been talking for this long? Oh, my gosh. I, I had some friends of mine come over this week. They're starting a new podcast and we were at like an hour and 50 minutes at my house just drinking beer talking. And we're like, nobody's going to listen to this. We need to like put this to a stop. But it was such a good time that yeah. we couldn't. So anyway. That's not true, though. People, I think, need to hear conversations. Yep. We hear commentators yep. and we hear arguments and we watch yep. debates, but nobody's teaching us how to, yep. hey, this is how you can have a conversation. You are so right. So I love it. All right. A special thank you to Forever Sound for their musical clip, Sexy, which you hear within the podcast. For more information on how to connect with me, seek me out on social media, Facebook at Danielle Kingstrom, Twitter at D Kingstrom, Instagram at D Kingstrom. For more of my work, please check me out on patreon.com slash Danielle Kingstrom. You'll be able to see more of the content I create excerpts from my upcoming manuscript and fleshed making a monogamous relationship real and you can also support my work as always thank you for listening and until next time take care